We're going to count it down. Five, four, three, two, one. Make October gyms happening now. Aw, yeah. What is going on, everybody? It's Game That Tune Gems, and we're back in the house once again. It's your boy, John Harrington, and we've got Jesse Moore with us. Say hey. Hey. And we've got the Game That Tune August Absurdity Champion, David Fleming. Say hey. Hey. Hell yeah, fellas. Welcome back. It's uh, it's Game That Tune Gems, back in the house. Games every month, suckas. Um, it's the video game music uh, reminiscent show where we listen to... Awesome music from video games released 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So we've got fantastic tunes for you this month from Octobers of 1992, 2002, and 2012. And man, what a month of releases this is going to you know turn out to be, man. Uh, you know, I was so happy to put together this list and rediscover some of these classic games, rediscover some of these not-so-classic games, and then in the 2012 segment, not have very much to talk about at all. But yeah, it's going to be a fantastic and stacked show, so really, we just got to jump. You, you can't spoil it like that. Yeah, especially if it's going to be the opposite of a spoiler, where you tell everybody not to listen to it. <laughs> um, but I, I promise you, it's a stacked show. we got a fantastic show, so let's just start by hopping back. Back in time to October of 1992. All right, so we're starting off as we so frequently do with some late in the game NES games. Man, they're still releasing NES games in October of 1992, and not only are they releasing NES games, they're releasing fantastic classic NES games. Now, I know this wasn't necessarily as much of a classic here in America, but this was a, this was a showstopper in Japan. David, you're prepared to talk about this. Uh, this game, they retitled it for America. It's the fourth entry in a very popular series that is ongoing to this day. Let's talk about Dragon Warrior 4. Oh, for a second I thought we were going with uh, Dragon Warrior 3. Um, I was like, that's not the fourth game. Uh, <laughs> no, it's oh. not. <laughs> wow. Dragon Warrior 4 was 92? Yeah, I know, right? I, I I should probably look and see if it came out several years earlier in Japan or something. But yeah, Dragon Warrior 4 hitting the NES in October of 92. Um, of course, it's supposed to be called Dragon Quest, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, um, yes. And, and I would say, admittedly, I, I have not played the NES version. Instead, I played the DS remake. But that having been said, I would say it's pretty close between Dragon Quest Four and, well, okay, no. Dragon Quest Eleven is my favorite. But I would say it's pretty close between Dragon Quest Four and Dragon Quest Eight for second favorite. Damn. I really like Dragon Quest Four. Um, and I know a lot of people, because this was the first in the, um, God, what is it called? I think it's Zenithian trilogy, which is four, five, and six, because ah, okay. um, they all feature uh, like a big tower and a certain set of armor and whatnot. Um, and a lot of people say five is the best one, but there's there's something about four. I really like the characters in four, and I really like how this game plays out, because it, it kind of plays out as a set of tutorials, like... The game starts with the main hero being born, the chosen godly hero who's mm. going to save everything. Of course. And as a baby, it's just kind of like, okay, you're born. Moving on. Um, <laughs> and then it just goes on to a selection of other characters. And you play a bunch of like mini chapters featuring those characters. And then eventually you play as the hero grown up. And you run into those characters and build your party. Ah. Um, and each chapter is 
kind of like a tutorial. Um, like the first one features a, a knight named Ragnar and a healing slime. So like you don't have to worry about healing yourself. You'll be automatically healed. And it's just kind of like, this is what battles are like. And this is what a dungeon is. And then you play as Elena, who is a like warrior princess who gets into a fighting tournament. So it's kind of like, this is what boss fights are like. And then you play as, um, uh, oh no, chapter three is um, the merchant, Taloon, um, which is really weird. You play as a merchant. So like, I like a merchant class in an RPG. That's fun. <laughs> like running a weapon shop. And then the other half is exploring to gather weapons to sell. It's chapter four where you play as the sisters that kind of explain like what magic is and how the magic system works. Mm. Um, yeah, this is this is a really fun game. Yeah, I man, really I, like Dragon Quest Four. I didn't know that it had all that going on. I think that's fucking that's crazy for a NES game to have uh, I don't know dedicated chapters and things like that, and you know building up uh, the story in that kind of way. I think it sounds great. It's almost like this is uh, part of a really great series of games that uh, should get many sequels and continue on. Yeah, Jesse. Eh. <laughs> uh, I know. You disagree. Don't character as they're fighting. Uh-oh. I I I do want to say, and this has nothing to do with my dislike for the battle system but um i'm always so like i don't know why but i'm so surprised that david is such a dragon quest fan it's like, come you on know, recently <laughs> like it, yeah it is a fairly new thing but he's always he knows his fucking dragon quest stuff like i've you know heard this stuff you know by osmosis by listening to tons of like rpg podcasts and stuff but david's just like yeah i've played all these games while you guys were sleeping i played every dragon quest you've ever heard of yeah uh and like he's like david dragon quest over here yeah no i was expecting a much shorter less detailed rundown from david (laughs) i i have never claimed to play all of the dragon quest games i have not played all of the dragon quest games four happens to be one of the ones that i have played and Ah. it's one of the ones that i really really like point is when david plays something he plays it to the bone and he fucking he immerses himself in it which is good that's why he's champion. So yeah. No. What, do you, what do you know? Fucking, yeah. This guy, David, man. So, David, we've got two of your favorite songs from Dragon Warrior 4. Uh, and composer uh, Koichi Sugiyama, who uh, is still still dead uh, to this Hooray! day. Yeah. Um, noted bag As of shit. As a fan of the Dragon Quest series... I'm in favor of him remaining dead. Uh, I fully agree. <laughs> so we've got two fantastic songs. We've got Minuet and we've got Battle for Glory.
want to say quickly before we move on i'm so glad you picked battle for glory because that's one of my favorite battle themes and yep. i'm so glad it came back in dragon quest 11 yeah it's it's a fantastic theme i mean just you know man uh i don't really want to give much up to sugiyama but that's it's a good composition man good good tune so um moving on moving still on the nes to something completely different Jesse, I think you can help us out on this one. This one seems like maybe it's a little bit more up your alley. It's another sequel. It's uh, to a less popular series of games. I think so unpopular that this is probably the only, this is probably the last entry in this series. But I want to know if you and your travels came across Power Blade 2. I've played it a little bit. I just know the music is really freaking good. Mm -hmm. That's um, what we're doing here, like baby. A, <laughs> it's like a side scrolly like slash slash em up type game, um, like a platform deal. Um, I remember the first one was really good, and the second one was kind of like, eh. yeah, I don't know. I'm I can't distinguish the two from one another because they're just uh, NES games with bop filled soundtracks. Yeah, um, but I mean, you look at the cover of it; it's pretty much like Schwarzenegger holding a giant metal boomerang. Yeah. Um, so it's either you're throwing boomerangs or you're just slashing people with a giant, you know, uh, curved blade. Either way, pretty fucking dope. Um, and yes, it's only here because it's an NES soundtrack from 1992, which means it's fucking just loaded with bops. Um, really, there's not much else that needs to be said about it. That's that's what I love about doing some of these uh, some of these uh, games on gems. It's like, yeah, no, nah, it's here because of the bops, fellas. <laughs> 
Um, so it's got a fantastic soundtrack. It's composed by Kinoyu, excuse me, Kinoyo Yamashita, um, who of course has composed, you know, a number of, uh, fantastic games going forward. Um, fucking God, why am I, uh, why am I blanking on the other, uh, you know, Yamashita games? Uh, she, uh, worked on Castlevania. Uh, I think she, uh, she did Mega Man X3. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she makes great music and she makes fucking fantastic NES tunes for Power Blade 2. So we've got two songs. We've got stage five and the boss battle from Power Blade 2. That's just funky boss fighting music. And uh, yeah, it makes you want to hit something with a giant boomerang blade thing. Um, what I more is did. there to say? Yeah, boom, there it is. <laughs> uh, Jesse, geez, put that thing away. Uh, <laughs> so moving from uh, one game that I thought maybe Jesse had played to a game that I'm certain none of us have played. But again, guys, sometimes... These are always my favorite. Sometimes we're just here for the soundtracks, baby. Uh, you know, let's move to the TurboGrafx-16. David, you ready? <laughs> I'm, I'm, my body is ready. Yes, yes. So uh, this game is Gate of Thunder, 
for the TurboGrafx-16. David, are you aware of Gate of Thunder? Mm, this is my favorite game in the world, which is... Here's the title of a Turbo Graphics game. Is it a 2D shooter or not? So, okay, it's called Gate of Thunder, and it's made by a company called Red. And Red is composed of former staff members of Technosoft. So you tell me what mm. you think this game is. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a side-scrolling action platformer that somehow features ninjas. Oh, God, David, so close. Yeah, uh, you you must be confused as to who Technosoft is. Um, Jesse, what do you think Gate of I'm Thunder is? Tecmo, fuck. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a, probably a shooter. Mm -hmm. um, side-scrolling, probably. Yep. I figured, like... Uh, was you said Gates of Thunder? Gate of Thunder. Like, um, Certainly not a Force of Thunder, not a Thunder or Force. Like, or Lords of Thunder, which right. was a, a thing. Like, yeah. They sure but, like the word Thunder. It's a great word. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you, you, you could put it on anything and just, uh, I don't you know, know makes it, it clear. Something, uh, something rad's going to happen. That's what it means. It means you're going to get a side scrolling shooter game with a lot of, uh, a lot of crazy shit going on. Um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we got here. It's uh, I think I watched somebody stream this on Twitch and I was like, you know, wow, that game looks hard as shit. And I'm glad to be watching that guy stream it instead of actually playing it. But like, <laughs> it's a really great looking game with a fantastic soundtrack. So uh, I've been looking forward to pulling for the TurboGrafx-16 catalog, which we just don't get to do often enough on the show because there just aren't enough good games for the TurboGrafx-16. Um, it has some good games. We just haven't featured them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we've. it's not for lack of trying, man. I, you know, I've got the lists. It's not like I don't do the research. Uh, you know, you just got to maybe it's the fact that like, you know, yeah, the games are good and I only know the big names or something. So I'm like, huh? well, we got Bunk. And then we got Gate of Thunder. That's uh, that's pretty much all we got for 1992. Uh, yeah, I bet the something only, else came out. The only Turbo <laughs> Graphics games worth playing: Bonk yeah. and Gates of Thunder. Uh, wow. Yeah, I uh, I stand by that. Yeah, I'll have to boot up the Wii Shop channel and get into some Turbo Graphics games again and see if I'm wrong. But uh, we got two fantastic songs from Gate of Thunder and composer Nick Wood. We've got Stage Three, The Mine, and Stage Seven, The Crown Core. I was kind of hoping maybe that was a transliteration problem. Maybe it was Clown Core, but no. Oh, God. It seems to be Crown Core. So, you know, let's, uh, let's enter the Gate of Thunder.
you know, it's not quite as raucous as uh, like a Thunder Force soundtrack, but I think it's pretty fucking great. Pretty rocking, side-scrolling, mm-hmm. shoot 'em up tunes. So, speaking of games that are incredibly raucous, uh, let's head to the arcade. Because, guys, we got a trifecta of raucous arcade games this month. We got some big ones. Real big ones. Two big ones. With the, uh, you know, there's two two big round ones with. Uh, Wait, hold up. We've got three games, but two big ones? Well, that's the thing. I've, I've started. It's like a total recall situation. I started now describing the first game. So we've got three arcade big ones. This first oh, one, I understand. Of course, featuring two, two of the big games ones. are balls, and one of them is the penis. Exactly. But, you know, this game specifically features two big ones, and then two more big ones, and then two more. And then eventually you match some colors and they start disappearing. Uh, guys, Puyo Puyo has made it. To the arcade. Did it make it to the arcade in America? Sure, of course it did. Arcade games are international, baby. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, how am I supposed to prove or not prove that, David? (laughs) I mean, the only reason I ask is because as far as I'm concerned, the arcade, or as far as I recall, the arcade in the Ponceleon Mall in St. Augustine didn't have the best import scene. So Mm. maybe it came to America. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. I mean, the point is, it's the first time that the game is hitting arcades, and that's kind of a big deal. Previously, it was only it was released actually the year before uh, in Japan on like the MSX two and the Famicom Disk System. But I made sure that this is indeed the arcade release, and you know, based on my research, it says North America nineteen ninety two. It says you know Japan October of nineteen ninety two. That's good enough for me, David. It should be good enough for you. Point is, Puyo Puyo, man, what what a fucking fantastic game. I mean, I'm looking for any excuse to talk about Puyo Puyo. What a classic, just, you know, fantastic little tile matching puzzle game. Uh, you know, matching colors, making things disappear, dropping garbage on your friends. It's a great time. You know what I think my favorite thing about the Puyo Puyo series is? Please. Like, this game got into super chibi anime, adorable graphics and whatnot, but officially this is a spinoff of like a dungeon crawling rpg which is why like the devil is a character right um yeah i just think that's really fucking funny that we're like we're gonna have this serious rpg dungeon crawler game with all these like monsters coming at you everything you know what let's do a fun little spinoff puzzle game and that took off mm-hmm. i do love reading the wikipedia like description of the game and its gameplay the main game of puyo puyo is played by against at least one opponent computer or, hum- uh, or human um in single mode the player takes on the role of aural nadja and if you click on the link for aural nadja it takes you to morbius the living vampire um Ugh. and <laughs> she's a 16 year old female spellcaster that has the pleasure of foiling the dark prince's plans the dark prince which to take over the world uh yeah a lot of weird shit going on for what the game ends up being it's puyo puyo where you just drop colorful balls and match colors <laughs> it's like yeah actually it's uh you're stopping you know like a hell demon it's oh devil worshiping yeah dope you know what we should do with this we should throw sonic into it and then kirby into it <laughs> <laughs> that oh, I remember playing um, Puyo Puyo versus Tetris. So I was like, "Oh, this is such a fun game! I really like seeing the Tetris like objects turned into like space alien characters. Everything. This is really fun." And then the devil shows up. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> yeah, all right, dope. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, so it's just a it's fantastic uh, classic puzzle game hitting the arcades for the first time, and uh, you know it's uh, 
Still a thing. Puyo Puyo continues to this day. You love to see it. So we've got two fantastic songs from Puyo Puyo and composer Masanobu Tsukamoto. We've got Sticker of Puyo Puyo. And we've got Final of Puyo Puyo.
know what's kind of dope is uh, doing the show and discovering that they didn't update those songs for uh, Dr. Robotnik's Me Bean Machine. They oh, cool. just get the same music because uh, guess what, guys? The music slaps. Um, it does. It's, uh, it's a Puyo Puyo Bop. So moving on to the next machine in the arcade. David, just picture yourself in 1992 in an arcade with three machines. You got Puyo Puyo. Somewhere else in the room, there might be a fighting game or something. Next to it, there's a gun game. What's the game? Time Cop. It's not Time Cop. <laughs> Is that a game? That's a, that's a Van Damme movie. Oh, I'm I'm definitely thinking of a game. You're thinking of Time Crisis? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, or you're conflating Time Crisis in this game? Lethal Enforcers? Is it? Oh, okay. Well, if time you're going to spoil it after one wrong guess. <laughs> well, the, when yeah. the guess was Time you Cop. If you were on Jeopardy and you said that. <laughs> oh, okay. You're just going to tell me the answer? Thanks a lot, Alex. Um, <laughs> no, David. So it's, it's, a, it's Lethal Enforcers, of course. Um, a uh, fantastic arcade game made by Konami in which, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're cops and you're shooting people. You know, you're enforcing things with a certain lethality about you. Um, Sounds kind of fucked up. You know, and that's the problem. In 1992, nobody felt like this was fucked up. <laughs> I'm sure some people thought it was fucked up. Yeah, I guess it is kind of right in the shadow of the Rodney King stuff. <laughs> kind of fucked up to, you know, gleefully release a brand new arcade shooter in which you play as cops. Uh, mowing people down but i mean that's how it goes and uh, you know the the criminals have guns the cops have guns you got to you know enforce things lethally and you get penalties for shooting innocent people so in a way this was a very oh. progressive game at the time yeah um like you get like a week without pay it's, a, it's, or, a, it's an ideal you know. it's an idyllic uh depiction of being a cop <laughs> i feel like any game where you're a cop and you can shoot citizens is not like ideal the whole point is it's that simpsons fucking shooting gallery joke where yeah. <laughs> like all the innocent things start coming by and you know yeah you're not supposed you to shoot maybe you miss the blind man right exactly <laughs> <laughs> these poor hostages they're just caught in the middle of this uh this lethal enforcers game and you know as a kid you really don't think don't shoot you you always think you have to shoot everything on screen. Like, I don't remember how many times as a kid it took for it to register. Like, God, yeah, I got to stop shooting those people that have their hands up. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just got to shoot them. <laughs> like, also, so cops are children is what you're saying. Essentially. <laughs> Jeez, man. It's, uh, point is, it's a super fun game. You're shooting stuff. It's got the digitized <laughs> graphics. Uh, you're shooting everything in sight. Um you know, it was uh, it was a simpler time, 1992. You just th threw a quarter in there and started blasting. Or you threw two quarters in there and start twin blasting. That's really the way to do it. And in the sequel, they took it to the Wild West. They went back in time. And they're like, oh, shooting cowboys is way less. Right. Did they do that? But now I'm thinking about there might be a level where you shoot like natives and that might be upsetting. <laughs> I didn't know they did that. I, you know, I, was, uh, I was not aware was of that feel like, you know, the shooting games at my arcade were always Lethal Enforcers or Area 51 oh. and nothing else. Like, so. Oh, you remember that Carnival one with the clowns and stuff? That was dumb. Vaguely, yeah. Uh, and then you started getting the more expensive ones like the Jurassic Park sit-down shooter yep. and shit like that. But anyway, Lethal Enforcers, a fun game from a different time. And we've got two <laughs> fantastic songs <laughs> from composer Kinichiro Fukui. We've got Fight for Your Life. That's right, Jesse. Fight <laughs> you for <better>. Your Life. <laughs> and we've got Shoot Into the Street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the uh, it's the music that plays during one of the chase levels. <laughs> so, oh, God, just yeah. shooting the street. It's it's action movie shit, Jesse. Please. <laughs> 
totally t- back on board with that music. <laughs> okay, yeah, good. The tunes redeem it. <laughs> I'm just picturing a, like a cop on the radio, like you know, they're getting away. Well, shoot into the street. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's an order. <laughs> yes, sir. So, moving on from that controversial arcade game to a game with zero controversy around it. <laughs> Another arcade classic, dare I say it, one of the most famous arcade and one of the most famous video games ever made. Um, my goodness, guys. It's time. I wish I had a soundboard hit to go with it. It's Mortal Kombat in the arcade. Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> David, can you give us, give us your best Shao Kahn? It has begun. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable doing that because I'm a white person and Shao Kahn is like traditionally an Asian character. Oh, so. okay. wow. Well, not in, not in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, David, but good on you, man. Way to dodge the impression. Johnny would have been all over that impression. Uh, I, I do my best <laughs> to avoid Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless I'm describing something that I think is glorious because then it is glorious. See? Yeah. That's Shao Kahn, baby. So, uh, no, it's fucking not. <laughs> Well, the point is, he's not in this one anyway, but it's Mortal Kombat, the original, for the arcade. Um, My God, guys, what a fucking game. What a just, like, mind-changing game. This is the kind of game that you see it, and it just makes you want to commit acts of violence that you see on screen. You want to replicate exactly what happens in this game to your brothers and to your sisters and to your pets, and you want to... You want to cuss it up in church and what? offend your parents. <laughs> There's no cussing in the game. Yeah, no, it's, you know, God. You, you don't remember Kano's fatality where he says, fuck off, and yeah. the speech bubble comes and, like, makes you explode? <laughs> uh, yeah, he says fuck in front of a crucifix, and, you know, then a bunch of ladies <laughs> clutch their pearls and makes their heads pop off. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Dear Midway, we have some fatality ideas you may wish to consider. Man, yeah, this game, I mean... It uh, it made my mom really freak the fuck out. <laughs> like she really did not like learning about its existence from you know whatever six o'clock news program she heard about it from, and then not understanding what the game is in any way, and still like forbidding us to play it. It's like, you know, mom, I'm telling you, I barely know how to do the fatalities. It's not that serious. Like, yeah, there's yeah, blood, big deal. <laughs> It's a fighting game. What do you want? <laughs> do you want there to not be blood? And who would ever do something like that? <laughs> The Super Nintendo. Yes. Um, but yeah. Can, uh, go on, David. I was going to say, can, can I drop a hot take? <gasps> yes. I do not care for the original Mortal Kombat games. No. Um, Wait, actually, games? I do not care for the Mortal Kombat series as a whole. Like, ooh, ooh. I've always felt as a fighting game they were just like super stiff and unresponsive and then people were like oh no no no! it's good because of the story everything but the story is just like shaolin monks fighting evil monsters like it's nope well, not movie like <laughs> no, 80s it's... action movie like it's i've n- i like i appreciate mortal kombat for what it did and like the later games i can enjoy but like i've never thought mortal kombat was all that great no david that's uh, that's a real shame now the thing about the story is i think the story gets a lot of props because it is one of the longest continuous narratives in all of like video games and media like it's still you know mortal kombat 11 is still telling the story about the same characters and you know there have been timeline things and stuff like that but they just uh it's 
you know, it's one big cannon and they're, uh, they're having a lot of fun with it and it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, the last two have been really silly and yeah, great. I, you know, I gotta, and that's the thing. And they're doing a great job with digitizing the actors and getting people to play these, uh, play these roles. But yeah, no, you know, the original, yeah, it's stiff, but yeah, I think they, uh, you know, they had something pretty great with two and three for sure. I can even stand for Mortal Kombat four, even though it's a bit of a mess. It really lost its way when they went to 3D, uh, but it, they found their way again once they got back out of 3D. Mortal Kombat's nine, ten, and eleven have been pretty fucking great, um, and the fighting's not—it's not like Street Fighter smooth or even Tekken smooth, but it's pretty fun. And the point of the game has never really been the smooth fighting. It's been the heart ripping and the spine tearing and the dragon turn into a dragon and eat your opponent. Uh, it's been Scorpion ripping off his mask and revealing that he's got a skull face and burning you to death. The point was never a super tight fighting game. The point is fatalities and insanity. <laughs> like it's It's just so good. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, like that aspect is super fun. Yes. And has been super fun for 30 fucking years. I mean, it's really just, man, once this showed up in the arcade at, you know, whatever our local putt-putt golf, it's like, yeah, okay, I, I need to go look at that and do everything I can to play that. Yeah. I need to, man, I wish I had a subscription to Nintendo Power. I need to write down some fucking fatalities on a little piece of paper and bring them with me to the arcade to try and do these things. Uh, yeah. God, and it, it was such a fun, like, word-of-mouth game where kids would make shit up, like, you know, about, like, doing pit fatalities and meeting Reptile and all kinds of dumb shit. Like, oh, it was just, it was a magical time for, for a magical game. And, uh... Mm. If I remember, Reptile was in the first game, but, like, didn't have any original moves. It was just a combination of Scorpion and Sub-Zero, right? Something like that, yeah. Okay. And, you know, I don't remember how you get there. I remember pulling it off at some point on Super Nintendo, maybe. Fighting in the bottom of the pit. Mind-blowing moment. But, yeah, I love Mortal Kombat. And it's, uh, it's a pretty big game. Pretty, pretty important in the big grand scheme of video games. So, all that said, soundtrack, you know, not the hottest. But, uh, you know, here we are. So, we got two fantastic songs from Mortal Kombat and composer Dan Forden. We've got The Temple Gate and we've got The Throne Room. So, uh, Fight.
Yeah, man. Uh, you know, classic sound. Decent tunes. We'll talk about Mortal Kombat again once it starts hitting home consoles. Because, uh, man, God, especially that Sega Genesis soundtrack, just too damn good. But uh, moving on to our final game of the segment. Probably should have ended with a big game like Mortal Kombat, but I felt like this one had the soundtrack that I wanted to you know, finish on, even if it doesn't have the game that I want to finish on. But Jesse could probably help me out here. Jesse, let's talk about a fantastic, uh, fantastic, I don't want to say entry or side entry, what is what is Mystic Quest to the Final Fantasy series? <laughs> um, it's basically like baby's first RPG. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, go it's, on. It yeah, it's it's like an a ad to it, Americans saying, "Hey, why don't you try RPGs?" <laughs> more or less, yeah. Um, it's it's weird because like the game is very linear. A lot of you know A to B storytelling, usually like uh, two characters. Um. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it, it's very, very like, you know, handholdy and, um, like, you know, it's what they tried to make people want to play RPGs with and, you know, really just give them a, re- a regular RPG. But the music in this game is incredible. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's insulting that it's this good. Yeah. See, that's the funny thing. I guess starting this segment with what is a fantastic classic RPG on the NES that was destined for a while in America to probably be mostly ignored and then ending it on, uh, you know, a weird little entry on the SNES where it's like, hey, uh, we don't even know if anybody likes RPGs. Here, how about you try an easy one? <laughs> like, you know, maybe they should, should have just marketed Dragon Warrior 4 uh, a little bit better or ported it forward to the SNES and, I don't know, advertised it well. Like, maybe Mystic Quest was never necessary. I don't know. But, uh, you know, or maybe, I'm just spitballing here, they could have released other Final Fantasy games for SNES here in America. I feel like they kind <laughs> of... Uh, or I guess not SNES. They they only missed what one on that one. Uh, I was gonna say like I don't know. In terms of Final Fantasy games released on SNES, four and six are pretty fucking good to yeah, release. They did actually pretty yeah. good on that. But maybe they should have been releasing Final Fantasies two and three and five here in America. Maybe then people would understand what RPGs are and don't need Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. But uh, the good thing is. It got this soundtrack. So uh, it's our bonus beats for the you know month of October 1992. It's Final Fantasy Mystic Quest from composers Ryuji Sasai and Yasuhiro Kawakami. We've got three fantastic songs closing out the segment. We've got the mountain range of whirlwinds. We've got the city of forest. And we've got Battle One. And that's going to do it. So we'll see you guys in 2002.
All right, guys. So, man, we have got so, so much to talk about in this 2002 segment. Just an absolutely stacked lineup of games. And what better place to start than with a game that, for some reason in my head, I always thought was a launch title for the Xbox. I'm sure it was meant to be, and then it got pushed back. And, you know, of course, being Oh, we've moved to 2002. Okay. I was like, what the fuck? Xbox game launched in 92. (laughs) Right. It was supposed to They were planning it for the Xbox launch for 10 years, and then it still didn't make it to launch. Um, But, yeah, it's... uh, it's time, guys. Let's uh, let's sweep up a little bit of time with Blinks, colon, the time sweeper. Um, I was obviously a late Xbox adopter, so I never bothered with Blinks. Uh, Jesse, did you ever play Blinks? Um, actually, recently I played it. <laughs> no shit. Is it on Game Pass? <laughs> uh, it is, actually. Um, nice. Of, like, there's a few old Xbox games that are on there, um, and that's one of them, and I gave it a try. Just played like through the first world and whatnot to see what it was about, um, and like I like the concept of it. It's kind of the cat character blinks. He's very cute. Yeah, um, he's got cool, cool look to him. I could see if this game had been a, just a tiny bit better, it could have like had its own series because the character there is there. Like you know, just got a he's got a cool little like vacuum cleaner thing. And uh, what's up, David? <laughs> no, it's just the way that you said that. Like, if the game was better, it could have been a great series. Like, I feel that describes many games. Yeah, well, you know, they what try. I mean? like, <laughs> like it, it had like sometimes there's great games that fall through the cracks. But like this game had an adorable mascot that could have, you know, maybe wedged through those cracks. And you know, yeah, I don't. Uh, the the thing that is weird, you you get these cool powers that control time. You can like rewind time to like rebuild structures that have been broken. Um, you can fast forward time you can stop time so like there's this time element but the thing is is in order to get these power-ups you have to collect like three of the same gems and there's like five or six different gem types Uh so like even if you're trying to you know collect the right gems you could sometimes you know accidentally get the wrong gem and then you've got to reset your gems but you you gotta you know find more that are in the world the ones you picked up go away and um there's also like little enemies that they look like weird piles of garbage that are attacking you. Um, and uh, you like uh, suck up garbage, other like pieces of garbage or like benches or lights and then like shoot it back at the enemies. Um, so it's got like just a tiny bit of Kirby in there with the vacuum shooting and, and sucking and stuff. Right. Um, but like, it's okay. Uh, the one boss fight I was in seemed pretty fun. Um, but you know, it was just, it's a launch game, and uh, well, but this it thing—it's it's not cool for the time. It's supposed—it's oh, it supposed to be a launch game. The Xbox launched the previous November, so this oh. missed the launch by like nine months. Okay, <laughs> or fuck. excuse me, eleven months. Uh, and I feel like it would have done better had it been a launch game because probably more people would have put their hands on it. Yeah. And I think by this time, the launch game that took over and defined the Xbox was Halo, and yeah. so you know, it's like—is anybody going to go for Blinks? No, no, <laughs> no. This is the I'm, Xbox I'm now. This is the what Halo game? system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, something. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of evolved combat. I think um, this is some kind of religious game. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, for some people, yes. But uh, yeah, so Blinks just missed his window, man. If only he could turn back time and ah! uh, make it to the launch window, I think he would find that maybe he could be. Uh, maybe he could have had a second game under his belt, or. Did they make a sequel or was no? Yeah, no. They, I think, I feel like maybe I saw concept art for it at some point, and they, it just simply never happened. But he collected the wrong order of gems. God, 
fucking a um he should have collected the game that tune gems that's what i'm saying man now you know now the only gems he's collecting are ours so um yeah blinks the time sweeper uh what a game we got two fantastic songs sorry i didn't get the composer information let me uh let me pull that up we got two fantastic songs of course from composer uh mariko nanba uh, and Keiichi Sugiyama. That's not Koichi Sugiyama. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, uh, Mariko Nanba, uh, of course, did some work with uh, like Sega and stuff. So you know they've got some uh, some good tunes under their belt. We've got background music two and three from Blinks the Time Sweeper, and uh, let's just uh, let's enjoy them, and hopefully we don't want to you know reverse time to avoid this uh, this segment here. <laughs>
I like the tunes. Nice sounds for Blinks. Um, and I like that thanks you know, thanks to pulling up the Wikipedia page, they tried to advertise this game as the first 4D action game. That's cute. Good try, Xbox. Sorry it didn't work out for you, Blinks. Um, you were just too cute for this world. But moving on. As am I. Yes. Uh, moving on to a game that wasn't too cute for this world. A game that I think probably uh, probably very successful. The uh, We got another number four entry. We got another fantastic sequel on the, this uh, edition of Gems. And, you know, I try not to do games with a lot of licensed music, but sometimes you come across a soundtrack in a game that you just spent so much time playing 20 years ago that you simply have to bring it on. So, David, it's time. You and me, we're getting together probably at John Regan's house and ignoring him. And we're playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. <laughs> yes. Fuck yes. God, this game's good. <laughs> I have so many good memories of this game. Um, and I feel like the majority of my good memories, oddly enough, stem from the character creation. God, like, so I much fun. really got into making characters with this game, um, mainly because every like unlockable character had their own like unique um special moves i feel like uh, I, I think, the, the, right I think term, the creatable like, characters had dumber special moves than the actual skaters in this game like they, they they decided to stop doing anything realistic like i'm pretty sure my my created character could like pull out a pizza box from nowhere and eat a piece of pizza and score like four thousand <laughs> points for it like oh <laughs> if i if i remember correctly this That's is the game that introduced jengo fett so when i made oh. myself as a character like there was definitely me grinding pulling out a laser pistol and like shooting it yeah um Dope. and i <laughs> into the streets yeah shooting in the streets baby <laughs> it was tony hawk after all <laughs> i remember this was 2002 i was really big into um pink at the time i forget <laughs> the name of her out al- it was uh the misunderstood album like wow. i listened to that a lot so i i made pink as a character in this game and one of the unlockable racers was eddie the zombie from um iron maiden yes so yeah i made pink as a character and she had a grind where she pulled out a, an electric guitar and started wailing on it because that was a move from eddie um <laughs> yeah I, tony hawk pro skater 4 dare i say possibly the pinnacle of the series I, I think for us it was i feel like a lot of people probably would point to underground uh and you know underground 2 maybe is the pinnacle of the series and then there's people from you know who were more uh traditionalist tony hawks that probably thought that you know tony hawks pro skater 2 was the best one but um yeah just a fantastic fun game <laughs> huge open levels to explore i mean like the levels just felt so much bigger in this one than they did in like the previous ones um I, I forget. Um, was this the game where the zoo was a level? Oh, yeah, there was the zoo. I was going to mention Alcatraz and the zoo. Just very fun levels to skate in. <laughs> well, because I remember the little mini games. Like, I, I remember in Alcatraz, you could get to, like, the baseball field and you could play baseball by whacking balls with your skateboard. Mm-hmm. And in the zoo, there were a lot of fun little mini missions. There was one you where you had to avoid getting hit by poo being flung by monkeys. Yeah, you had to, like, grind the um, whole monkey cage without getting hit by poo. <laughs> You had to like grind behind a rhino and after like 30 seconds, it started shitting on you. And I remember like there was an aquarium, like penguin section where you could break through a glass ceiling and grind on the like light railings above. Yep. 
God, yeah, this was a fun game. Yeah, and it was one of those games, man, this was right at, like, the pinnacle of my, like, kazaa and fucking just, like, MP3 downloading sprees. And, man, I was seeking out everything from this soundtrack, man, and loading it all up into my Winamp and listening to it, you know, whenever I could. And just, you know, a fantastic soundtrack of licensed tunes. Just a bunch of good hip-hop, some pretty decent punk music, and then just, like, some weird kind of out-there metal shit. You know, it's got Iron Maiden doing Number of the Beast. Uh, fucking, you know, it's, uh, I think this is probably the first time I heard Aesop Rock. Uh, they threw in fucking, uh, like Public Enemy and Run DMC and NWA. Like, why, why is Express Yourself by NWA a good song to skate to? I don't know. Besides it just being a really good song. <laughs> I believe this is the game that introduced me both to NWA and Goldfinger. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, I'm glad you said that, David, because we've got two fantastic songs from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. Uh, and I mean, like I said, it's such an immense soundtrack. It's so hard to winnow it down to two songs. But I wanted to go with some Goldfinger. So we've got Spokesman. And then I wanted to just you know give a window into my changing brain at the time. And just how I was being hardwired to listen to really good rap music. So we've got Mass Appeal by Gangstar. And uh, man, just, oh, you know, what a, what a snapshot of 2002, John, these two songs are. <laughs> what happened to Dignity? Did it go away again? Just like some worn out trend. What happened to honesty? I don't see it in the top ten I only see it in what has been Cause I still defend devotion to integrity I don't see it on MTV All I see is choreography And I'll never be a dancer What happened to puberty? Basket and insecurity And who the f*** is Felicity? Cause I got problems on my own
kids step into my zone, mad rhymes will stifle ya Lines like rifles go blast when I kick some ass A lot of rappers be like one-time wonders Couldn't say a fly rhyme if there was one right under their noses I hate those poses, but I'm so real to them it's scary And with my unique skills, nah, you can't compare me And no, we don't make whack tracks And all the suckers get pushed back when I'm kicking real facts I represent, set up like a tech boy You're paranoid cause you're a son like Elroy And you'd be happy as hell to get a record deal Maybe your soul you'd sell to have mass appeal I'm greater than all MCs when I breeze, give me room please I be like fascinating when I be updating Cutting off white kids, pulling their trump cards I thump hard and make them say that I'm God Be pretending they're hardcore Never know the meaning of But I get props like a slogan And no man could ever try to diss when I kicks my jam Lyrically deaf and connecting, complete mic record No double checking, vocals kill like weapons But if I have to, I go all out with no mic Yeah, that's right, cause I survived math fights And for my peeps, I truly care Cause without some of them, I wouldn't be here And they all know how I feel Cause suckers be like playing themselves to have massive fear Setbacks, but now I'm making greenbacks Just like baggy slacks, I'm crazy hip-hop Check one, two, and you don't stop Your head'll bop when I drop my crop of pure bomb Just like the seashore, I'm calm and wild With my monotone style Because I don't need gimmicks Give me a fly beat, and I'm all in it Word is born, I go on and on For you it's tragic, I got magic like wands So I'ma end this lecture and I betcha Those who kick dirt in due time, I'm gonna get ya Cause I be kicking the rear While they be losing the race, trying to chase massive This God. video has received a copyright strike from Warner Brothers Music. <laughs> yeah, God, thank God we're not live tonight, guys. Um, man, oh man, what a uh, what a good fucking song. Rest in peace, Guru. Um, so, Mass Appeal put me in the mood for uh, you know some more. So let's put things in more hip hop context on this next one, guys. So let's uh, let's shift it back to the Xbox with another, I would say, overlooked Xbox exclusive with a bit of a hip hop vibe to it. It's a sequel, though. You would think that maybe there'd be some people out there that want to play a uh, another Toe Jam and Earl game, but I'm not sure that anybody who owned an Xbox did, because, again, it was the Halo system now. But yeah, Toe Jam and Earl 3, uh, Mission to Earth. What a uh, what a thing they, uh, they thought they should do. Um, obviously, they probably made it with the Dreamcast in mind and then had to abandon it and, you know, put it on the Xbox to try and, you know, get a little something out of it, but... Uh, yeah, uh, you know, obviously I never played this. I kind of wish Johnny was here for it. Jesse, did you play Toe Jam and Earl? 
Any I of them? This one, yeah. yeah. Oh, I played. I told you, man, Earl one and two. I, I right. just didn't play this one. Yeah. Um, David, did you play uh, Toe Jam and Earl three? <laughs> did I play Toe Jam and Earl three on the original Xbox? <laughs> no, no, I did so, not. Let me count the ways in which I cannot have played this game. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it looks like uh, like a weird updated you know two thousand two three D ish Toe Jam and Earl thing going around. You know, I don't know, doing kind of weird platform and stuff, collecting weird things. Uh, you know, I, I like, uh, I like the idea of it. Um, read about it. This, uh, let's see, you got to play as Toe Jam and Earl. And of course, uh, the uh, third character, fucking uh, Letitia. Um, and you're trying to collect the 12 sacred albums of funk to defeat the antagonistic anti-funk, you know? So there's, uh, you got to go to earth to collect funk albums to defeat something that apparently hates funk. So dare I, mean, I say, I'm they got definitely a, in favor of fighting about the game. against anti-funk. <laughs> yes. You know, we all should strive to defeat the anti-funk. Uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like instead of defeating the anti-funk, we should just be more pro-funk. We should just all be more funky. Like, you know, let the anti-funk exist out there, but just, you know, counter it by being extra funky. So that's what we'll do by playing some tunes from Toe Jam and Earl 3 Mission Earth. We've got the character select music, which of course features raps by Toe Jam and Earl and Letitia. And then we've got Lawanda's Love uh, from Toe Jam and Earl 3 and composer Burke Treishman. Uh, not the not the comedian that hosts the Go Big Show. Give it up, give it up, give it up for Master T. Say ho for the greatest rapper around the DJ TJ. I jam your rap, your head is spinning like a b-ball. Can't stop it, can't even slow it down, y'all. You know you got no choice, you gotta dance when I get going. Move to the rhythm of the funk when I get flowing. Gotta give it up, toe jam in the hood. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. <laughs>
You could have told me those songs were from Parappa the Rappa, and I would have believed you. Yeah, I mean, they do say their names at least in them, so there's that to set them apart. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I respect anybody that wants to put some dumb rap out into the world for, for a video game. Good for them. Um, Let me introduce you to Spotify. <laughs> there's a lot of people putting dumb video game rap out in the world. Oh, man. Uh, actually, in the video games, or are they rapping about video games? Oh, no, va- rapping about video games. Okay. And it's usually like 12 to 17-year-olds. Okay. Uh, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I want the I want the goods from the actual games. But yeah. So let's talk about a game that had the goods. Uh, let's uh, let's move it over into the RPG genre. Jesse, it's time, man. Time for you to tell us about Swee Coden Three. Oh yeah. Um, I did actually play a little bit of this one. Whew, good. Um, <laughs> it was it was pretty cool. Um, the battle system was neat, and you could be. I'm trying to think. There's some kind of animal people you could be, and I thought that was really cool. Cute. Um, but God, I'm drawing a blank. It might have been duck people. There might have been duck people. Sweet. So possible duck people. And the soundtrack is probably pretty good. It was, you know, the PS2 had tons of good RPGs. So, yeah. mm-hmm. And they, uh, you know, they kept on the fucking Konami sound team. So they got Mitra Yamane working on it and some other people. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a good soundtrack from, a, from Subicoden. Yeah. Um, I'm reading about the the game now. It says it's presented through the Trinity system, where rather than only having one hero, the plot is explored through three different viewpoints, allowing events to be seen from multiple sides. So that's the Trinity system. That's not the triangle strategy. Don't get it twisted. No, no, no. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, so uh, sounds to me like a game in which you got to kind of redo the same things over and over again. You know, like you got to play everything three times. I don't want to do that. But, um, you know, I don't know. I uh, I can't remember your relationship to Sweet Coden, Jesse, but I still feel like whenever I see it on the the list for one of these things, I'm like, oh yeah, Sweet Coden. That's the thing that people liked. You know, we should include it, and I mostly include it because you know, great RPG tunes. So, um, to that end, let's listen to, uh, to uh, some Sweet Coden three tunes. Um, again from the Konami sound team, we've got Sweet Coden three from composer Masahiko Kimura. We've got the wind and the earth and from composer Michiru Yamane we've got battle music 3 those obstructing the path
yeah, it's a uh, pretty great RPG music. Um, man, it's one of those series that I kind of wish I'd gotten into. It, for well, the very... there's a remake coming out. So. Oh, really? Oh, a remaster. A remaster. Is it a just one of the games, or is it a collection, or what? Do you, what do we got? I think it's one and two. Okay, dope. Uh, I might check that out, man. I keep on like resolving to check out more RPGs or you know new or revisit some RPGs. I feel like I need to get a fucking like a a job that allows me to you know kind of keep my headphones in. I really enjoy from time to time just putting on a long play of an RPG and watching it like a movie. Like sometimes I don't actually want to play these things, but I want to experience the anime gobbledygook and the music and the world. You know, so you know maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll just watch Sweet Odin's at some point. But Jesse. I think maybe I had it twisted. So let's move on to a different RPG, a different third RPG, also on the PlayStation 2, that maybe you put a little more time into than Suikoden 3. Let's just loosen up a little bit. Let's let's shake out our muscles because we're going to need to gesticulate wildly for Wild Arms 3. Oh, this one's cool. Um, It's not a thing where you shake your arms wildly? No, no, and, and unfortunately, I haven't played nearly enough of this game. I'd like to, but but I do know you play as a, a cowboy lady, um, a and, cowgirl. Yeah, and uh, yeah, cowgirl. <laughs> Shut up. And uh, she's like real good with like a rifle and stuff. I think she's like an Annie Oakley type. Um, and it's you know their typical uh, Wild West RPG with weird fantasy elements and magic and kind of steampunky too sometimes um with good music very western david have you played this one because this seems like one of the ones you might have looked at i have not but it definitely seems like it's up my alley along with the entire wild arms series yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's cool steampunk cowboy rpg david yeah. you should try it <laughs> i mean i'm a big fan of weird western as a genre so like i i feel like i should definitely play more games that fit that genre mm-hmm. yeah well, yeah, it's uh, it's a dope-looking game from a dope series. You know, again, one of those ones where it's like, man, I, you know, I feel like I needed somebody just coaching me on, like, what was good. And, you know, because I need somebody just recommending things for me and, like, making me actually try them. I feel like I was a fool to just stick with the the mainstream stuff, the, you know, and spend so much time playing the Tony Hawk's Pro Skaters while missing out on things like Wild Arms. You know, these things just kept passing me by. They're, uh, you know, what a crazy fucking game this was. I need somebody to put it in my hands and be like, yeah, you're going to enjoy this. You know, play it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got uh, two fantastic songs uh, from Wild Arms 3 and composer Michiko Naruke. We've got Gun Metal Action and we've got Fate Breaker. That's what I needed. I needed somebody to break my fate. My favorite James Bond movie.
God, there need to just be more games featuring that like Western style whistle in epic RPG or you know any tunes. Just add the Western whistle to tunes. You know, mm, I love they it. Should just, add it to Adam Page's music. They should. It just puts you in a certain mode, man. It's just yeah. like, oh, right here it is. It's cowboy shit time, baby. Yeah. Like, you know, who's whistling? Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, man. So, uh, hmm. Do I think anybody's played this next game? You know, I can't say for sure, but I feel like it's also one of those ones where I'm going to say it and David's going to express a, you know, oh yeah, I should have played this too. Um, you know, not necessarily for the game, but maybe for the, uh, for the content of, you know, the game, the setting. Um, let's move it over to the PC, which we so seldom do. I, I always forget to, you know, kind of do a good job of including PC releases because they're not as easily cataloged as, uh, the other stuff. You know, this is a mostly console show, but guys, let's go over to the PC for Age of Mythology. Um, the spinoff of Age of Empires, of course, that has, uh, you know, like Greek and Norse gods and shit. Um, David, you're making a, a turgid face. I'm guessing then you're not aware of the Age of Mythology. <laughs> no, I'm 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 vaguely aware of it as a series, but you mentioned like, oh, David, I'm sure he's gonna say he should have played this. Like, maybe as I recall, the <laughs> Age of series is like real time strategy, maybe, which is 100 <laughs> percent not. Up my alley. Right. Counterpoint, it is mythology. Yes, that was kind of what do, I was thinking. You do Gameplay enjoy aside. Greek mythology quite a bit. And maybe you're like, what if I could play a real-time strategy game as Pit? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, okay. I, I am a fan of mythology and world mythology and gods and monsters and all of that kind of stuff. But if you were going to put that into a video game setting, like an RPG or a platformer or anything other than real time strategy, <laughs> I'd be super into yeah. a sports sim. Right. <laughs> you know what? If if I could play a fucking football game where you were the Trojans versus the like Aztec Warriors, I'd play the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. What about like uh, it's warrior, but it's football. Yeah. <laughs> what about like a Tony it Hawk's Pro Skater game? Football match. <laughs> what about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game, but you're playing as like Odysseus? See, that is everything that I've ever wanted in life. Um, But a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game where you're commanding skaters over a skate park and like directing who should go where. No, you've you've lost me at Tony Hawk Total War. God, yeah, Age of Tony Hawk. (laughs) Oh my, please, someone listening to that. God, yeah, that's what should have been. That should have been Tony Hawk's Underground too. It's like Tony versus Bam Margera in a real time strategy game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nope. So. Uh, yeah, Age of Mythology, you pretty much got it. It's uh, it's real-time strategy. Um, I mean, it's got, you know, it's gods and stuff, uh, you know, demons and, you know, monsters. Um, All of which I'm into. Yeah. I mean, the cover has, like, Thor and, you know, Zeus and, uh, like, an Anubis on it. So, like, you know, they're all up in all the mythology. <laughs> See, that sounds fucking great. <sighs> But then you add real-time strategy, and I'm checked the <laughs> and, fuck out. And, and, and not skateboards. <laughs> right, exactly. Nobody's holding a fucking skateboard, for the love of God. Yeah. You know, Where's Darby Allen when you need yeah, him? Somebody grind something, please. <laughs> um, I mean, not gonna lie, if you had, like, Thor fighting Anubis in, like, a 2D fighting game, I'd be right there. Mm-hmm. But, like, Thor and Anubis commanding hundreds of 
unnamed not, soldiers just like Thor. clashing against each other right no i don't care yeah i hear you um but the game itself it was popular and uh kind of cool so I, I thought maybe it would have been up your alley um, you heard it here first david very pro rich and powerful not pro the unnamed soldiers that yeah, die for these david doesn't even want to think about the faceless masses yeah um, <laughs> the famous capitalist david fleming <laughs> Yeah, I love the stories of the 1%, but not the rest of the world. Yeah. Um, so we got two fantastic songs from uh, composers <laughs> Stephen Rippey and Kevin McMullen. We've got Eat Your Potatoes, and we've got Adult Swim, two bizarrely named songs from the Ancient Mythology soundtrack. <laughs>
song was just uh, called Adult Swim because it sounds like the music that plays in between like ads on Adult Swim. Uh, maybe maybe that's not from the Age of Mythology soundtrack at all. But hey, um, you know, good tunes. I uh, I enjoy them. So David, okay, let's let's put it firmly into something that maybe maybe David actually did play and enjoy. <laughs> You know, so David, we're back on the Game Boy Advance, your favorite system. Whenever it comes up on Game Netune Gems, it's always a great time, right? <laughs> you know, I was gonna be um to be perfectly honest, I was worried that you were gonna say it's like, let's bring it to a system you love. The Xbox Classic. Yeah, back like, to the Xbox. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, no, I, I love the Game Boy Advance and I will defend that system to my dying breath. Now, David, how do you feel about much, much, much older Nintendo handheld video games? You know, I'm a big fan of the Game Boy Color, older the Game Boy, older, and I would go so far as to say I'm a fan of the Game & Watch system. Really? Well, that's fantastic, David. Then surely you would love it if somebody compiled some Game & Watch games and put them out in an easy-to-play package on the Game Boy Advance in a little game called Game & Watch Gallery 4. I am actually a big fan of Game & Watch Gallery 4. Oh, yeah. Um, I... Unfortunately, um, my collection of Game Boy Advance games is in the basement, so I can't pull it out right now. <laughs> but I do own a copy of Game & Watch Gallery 4. I bought this almost exclusively because this game features like modern remade versions of Game & Watch games. But also you could unlock the original Game & Watch games. And I believe Game & Watch Gallery 4 included the original Game & Watch Gallery version of The Legend of Zelda. Ooh. Which I definitely <laughs> wanted to play without spending like $200 on eBay. Um, so I do own a copy of this game. And yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. Like wow. the, the Game & Watch games are just simple fun. Like it's... I, I don't know. Like, I don't have the words to describe it, but well, it's... I mean, we all played Tiger handheld games. They're like those. I mean, they're, you know, but I feel like they're made by Nintendo. So they've got a little bit more charm and maybe they're a little bit more fun. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, I was, I immediately <laughs> thought to those Tiger handheld games because that's really what the Game & Watch gallery games are because they are just those LCD games just put on a modern system. But it's that same kind of like score attack trying to, best or high score like oh i can do i can do slightly better like it's that kind of achievement in a game except you know there's like 30 of them right um yeah no you know they're cool and i think uh i think it's pretty cool that nintendo made these uh these compilations really you know like how, can you imagine another company trying to compile together their tiger handheld games into a collection and like yeah. it going over with anybody like <laughs> Because uh, I mean, I feel like those those LCD games were like the pinnacle of usually disappointment from like you know like a grandma Christmas present. Like yeah, I got you a video game. <laughs> it's like oh this uh, thanks grandma, I love you. This is not yeah. a video game. Oh good. yeah, that's cool. I'm gonna I just, put this by the toilet. <laughs> I'm just excited because um, I did look up Target. to verify, and I was correct. Zelda <laughs> was one of the unlockable games in this game. That's awesome, man. I uh, I didn't know that. You know, I, uh, I I know so little about the Game & Watch history, but, uh, you know, I'd be into playing these. Man, if they put these out as part of, like, the Switch console, uh, Switch Virtual Console or whatever, or the, you know, online service, man, I'd play the shit out of them. You know, hell, I'd even you drop know, a few it, bucks on them to play them on Switch. <laughs> it, it did 
kind of pissed me off because, like, the Game & Watch Gallery series continued for a while on Game Boy and then Game Boy Advance. And then as, like, part of Club Nintendo, they decided to do a special DS release game that was Parachute slash Octopus. Mm. That was, like, a version of Parachute and Octopus. I was like, hold up. So, like, you're going to put all these collections of like 30 game and watch games out on a single cartridge. And then you're going to do a, a special club Nintendo game right. that has like two. And you know, you're going to put a parachute on an octopus, but you're not going to then re-release the other game and watch games for your updated handheld systems. Come on. You know, these should, these should accompany every handheld thing that Nintendo's ever made. <laughs> Honestly, every single game and watch game should have been released on the DS and three DS virtual console for like two bucks. Yep. Yeah, total. Not a piece. $2 total. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got two fantastic songs from Game & Watch Gallery 4 for the Game Boy Advance and composers Ryoyu Kinugasa and Kengo Hagiwara. We've got Modern Chef and we've got Modern Octopus. Uh, just, you know, I like titling things like that. You know, are you a modern chef or are you a modern octopus? <laughs> modern Octopus, 100%. <laughs>
uh, it's fun tunes. Uh, shockingly, you know, they don't sound bad on the Game Boy Advance sound, I feel like, because you know, I, I was thinking about this since the last time we made uh, made Gems, David, and we played like some D-made Yoshi's Island Game Boy Advance tunes, and they didn't sound great. But these are up, uh, like, uh, remade older tunes on the Game Boy Advance sound. I feel like you can't take 16-bit and put it on Game Boy Advance, it doesn't work, but you can take anything, behind, you know, less than that and put it on there, and it works. So, good sound, good well, tunes. Well, that's the thing, like, Super Nintendo to Game Boy Advance, bad conversion. Game & Watch to Game Boy Advance, <laughs> yeah. great conversion. Superb <laughs> conversion. <laughs> so, um, man, speaking of superb conversions, that's not really the segue I want to use, but it was a fun thing to say. It was a fun turn of phrase. So we're moving on to the GameCube. We got a GameCube trifecta, guys. A uh, fantastic trio of games released this month for the GameCube, starting with one where I feel like they, I mean, you want, we sometimes talk about how things aren't marketed well. Uh, I feel like this game marketed itself perfectly because I never played the first game in this series. And then this game showed up on the blockbuster shelf with a guy holding a big gun and it has a little, you know, uh, explosion on there that says the heir apparent to Goldeneye. And I'm like, oh, I'm a recent GameCube owner. I will definitely grab and play Time Splitters 2, based solely on that little endorsement. Whoever, you know, said it from whatever fucking dumbass website back in the day that they quoted. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll play the game that claims to be the new hot multiplayer shooter game for the GameCube. And, uh, you know, I wasn't disappointed. Time Splitters 2, fucking fantastic. A lot of fun multiplaying, shooting good times, man. David, did we, uh, did we play this one together? <laughs> I feel like we definitely did, um, mainly because, and I mean this in the best way, John, uh -oh. you probably played this game more, but didn't tell me certain things. So, like, <laughs> I went into this game like, oh, I just picked up a crossbow, and you're like, oh, yeah, the crossbow's a great weapon, yeah, whereas you that. picked up like, some, like, plasma rifle. <laughs> I could see me started, doing that. <laughs> started fucking hunting me down. Uh, I see, don't understand. Why am I not killing you with my, like, one shot per three seconds? Right. See, there was a hierarchy to these things, David. I was doing that to you because my brother was doing that to me. And so it's like, you know, this was the last era in which my brother was playing video games somewhat regularly. And so he was, like, really obsessed with this one. You know, he was a high school dropout, so he played it all day. And, you know, I was going to school, so I wasn't very good at it. And so he was just, like, kicking the shit out of me in this. And then we'd get together on the weekends. And, uh, you know, I would pull that shit on you because you know, I, I was just, it was like a bullying chain carried out through Time Splitters 2. It was, uh, I was working some things out there, David. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty fun multiplayer uh, shooter game. I say multiplayer. It's obviously got a, a single player campaign. Um, I, for the life of me, can't remember a single thing about the single player in this game. I feel like I may have never touched it. I feel like this was only like a strictly just like, yeah, we're, you know, it's only the fucking multiplayer. Like, and, you know, it was really fucking good. It, you know, was it the heir apparent to Goldeneye? I don't know, because who knows what that fucking means. But I feel like the heir apparent to Goldeneye was perfect dark. Well, yes. <laughs> I, I also feel like the single player of this game was fine, but like, it was basically you were going from time period to time period. And it was basically like, here's a stage where you can use this gun. 
here's a stage where you can use this gun. Right. Here's a stage where you can use this gun and yeah. so on. And then, you know, whereas the multiplayer mode was like, all right, yeah, I want it set at the Mexican mission with nothing but laser rifles, uh, you know, or I want it at I'm, like the ice base. And, you know, instead of actual guns, there's just bricks everywhere that we throw at each other. Like, yeah. All right. Dope. Let's do that. <laughs> um just a just a super fun game to play with friends, man. Huddling around a small TV with you know just uh, four of your friends, and that was also the beauty of the GameCube, and, and uh, I guess you know the beauty of yeah, I guess GameCube versus PlayStation Two. I, I thought it was so odd as a you know young guy coming up, going from Nintendo sixty four to GameCube, and then also getting a PlayStation Two. It's like why did they think they could make a system with only two controller ports? You gotta have four at this point. Like, Xbox had four also. Yeah, exactly. I, you know what was PlayStation thinking? Only having two. Foolish. Hell, foolish. Dreamcast had four. Yes, exactly. PlayStation very ballsy. Thought they could sell multi taps in two thousand two. You know, bad idea. But you heard it here first. Fuck PlayStation. Yeah, you're in here first. PlayStation 2, worst console ever made. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got two fantastic songs from Time Splitters 2 and composer Graham Norgate, uh, one of the uh, one of the former Rare guys. You gotta love seeing, uh, seeing old Norgs show up. Uh, we've got the Ice Station and we've got the Streets.
Yeah, man. Good tunes to run around and shoot each other to. I mean, I, uh, yeah. what else needs to be said? David, let's move on. Like I said, we're continuing on the GameCube. So we're continuing to another fantastic multiplayer game. One that I would think you probably played more than, um, definitely more than Time Splitters, but probably more uh, than either me or Jesse might have played. So I want to talk to you about a fantastic character named Godzilla. And how Godzilla was thrown into a bit of a melee. Uh, a destroy-all-monsters melee, as it were. Did you, uh, did you play Godzilla Destroy-All-Monsters Melee? Jesse, jump in, too. I mean, if you played this, This please. game fucking rules. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> this this is one of the best GameCube games. Like, this is, like, top top ten GameCube game for me. That's so good. Sweet. Just it's everything you want out of a Godzilla game. I definitely like, rented it at some point, and I've forgotten every single thing about this. <laughs> I will say it is a little unwieldy to unlock all the other monsters, but once you've got that down, it's just like there's like I want to say like ten or twelve or so more monsters. Like you can play as King Hidora, mm. Mecha Godzilla, Mecha King Hidora. You can fight on the moon. Uh, you can uh, pick up buildings and throw them at each other. Yep, you love it, and um. It's it's so much fun, and I think David hates this game for some reason. Uh-oh. <laughs> Is there a better so, Godzilla game? Well, so um, I'm, I'm sad to say I don't recall playing this game, but I'm looking it up now, and I'm looking at the playable roster of this game, and I, great. <laughs> I give all due props because you can play as Rodan and Megalon, Angerus and Desustroya, but... <laughs> Sadly, Mothra is not a playable character. No, like... Mothra is a power-up. You find a thing in the map, and once you activate it, Mothra shows up and attacks the other monster for you. So, You know, part of me loves that because Mothra will just fuck up the other player, but part of me is super bothered that Mothra is not a playable character because I... I love Mothra. I mean, we all love Mothra, but you got to admit that maybe Mothra is a little bit unwieldy to translate into a fighting game in which all the other characters are giant monsters that walk around and throw yeah. buildings at each other. And Mothra would be the only Mothra in the game. <laughs> like, just slides around and shoots lightning. You yeah, know, and like, like dusts them with power dust or yeah. whatever Mothra does. <laughs> um I mean, I, I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool, but I kind of like that it's, you know, it's a power up for everybody else. Like, you know, uh, just Godzilla gets pissed and calls in Mothra for a second. Like, it's, you know, I like a good assist character. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Part of me is really bothered that Mothra isn't playable, but part of me is also super pleased that Angerus and Rodan and especially Destroya are playable characters. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's got a pretty good roster. What about, okay, so, you know, what about... Mecha King Ghidorah. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, you can be him. God, I love it. You know, King Ghidorah and Mecha King Ghidorah, Godzilla and Mecha Godzilla. You know, just, ooh. It's, uh, yeah, this is what GameCubes were made for, baby. <laughs> like, fucking, you know, I mean, four God players. Is playable. That's, yeah, that's a big plus. I'm trying to, uh, I hate to say I'm trying to remember, is Gigan like a, 
like a he's like got the chicken looking thing with the hook hands. Yeah, he's, he's hook got hands. the hook hands and he has like the buzzsaw in his chest. Yeah. yeah. God. Man, I gotta go back and watch Godzilla movies. Man. Like, Megalon is in it. Oh um, man. Yeah, because see, I almost yeah, you know, like, cockroach. If you asked me 20 years ago, I'd be like, where's Gamera? And it's like, wait, no, that's not a Toho one. Like, you know, John, you fuck up. Uh, oh god, if they added other Toho monsters and you could play as like Gezera from Space Amoeba, mm. I'd be so fucking into that. Yeah, because I'm pretty into it anyway. Man, they should fucking they should remaster and re-release this. Just a four-player fucking like 3D beat 'em up, beat each other up game where you're fucking giant monsters throwing buildings at each other and shooting beams and shit. And now I'm just learning that we're gonna have to include this on the next one because they also came out with a Game Boy Advance port of it in November of 2002, oh. and it's made by Way Forward. <laughs> so, oh, huh. uh, okay. Gonna have to. <laughs> look into that for the next recording but in the meantime we've got uh you just he just went from like they made a version of us for game boy advance <laughs> made by way forward oh, oh. <laughs> if uh, anyone's gonna make it good it'll be them yeah uh you know i just i love the idea of them getting hired off of uh it's like you've made Shantae and nothing else. How would you like to make a Godzilla game? Like, all right, yeah, dope. <laughs> Thanks for calling. You know, fuck it, we're in. Yeah, cool. And give him a scarf too. Yeah. <laughs> I so, feel like most of WayForward's licensed titles are just like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" Yeah, fuck it, we're in. Yeah. So we'll we'll touch on that next month. But in the meantime, we, you know, I was gonna say we've got two. I'm gonna throw a third in there. We've got three fantastic songs from Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee because in the soundtrack to this, there's a bit of trailer music that I just felt like we have to include. So we've got the Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee trailer music, and we've got fight themes one and three. And uh, no list of composer. Obviously, it's not Jake Kaufman. That's the Game Boy Advance composer. So we're just going to listen to Godzilla himself. Exactly. Just picture Godzilla himself sitting down in the booth and hammering out these sounds. Yes. Oh, wait. I didn't turn it up. (laughs) Reporting from downtown, where the recent rash of monster sightings from around the world has finally hit close to home. It's a loud rumbling. I can see something coming through the clearing. Oh, no. It's... Godzilla!
Yeah, I had to throw that trailer music in there because it's got the uh, like it's like a remix of a song using like the Godzilla. What's the sound that he makes? Is it a whale? Would you say or like a, a scream? I would say it's yeah. a roar. Yeah, Godzilla definitely roars. Yes, we need to have that on the soundboard. I think we should. Oh my god, we definitely need Godzilla's roar on the soundboard. It's just Ooh, like a little just... bit of the. <laughs> Ah! I'm not sure in what context it would come up, but I'm fully into it. Like every episode, just lets you know that like discussion's gone on too long. You just—it's like the siren to stop us. Like <laughs> I will find a context for uh, Godzilla's roar. Fucking this right. This game reminds me of Godzilla. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. Oh man, you're talking too much about come. Just Godzilla roar comes in there and <laughs> puts us back on track. But um, speaking of getting back on track, let's talk about a game in which you're not playing on a track. You're, but you are on certain paths. You're uh, you're moving around a board. You're um, moving around a board for the first time on the Nintendo GameCube. Guys, it's a Mario Party. The fourth Mario Party. Mario Party 4, of course, on the GameCube. Um, I've definitely played this. And it's definitely mostly gotten out of my mind. David, do you remember much about Mario Party 4? I don't think I played a Mario Party between three and nine. Ouch. <laughs> Not even eight? That was the first one on Wii. That one sucked. <laughs> between oh, three and eight. Yeah. See, I, you know, I feel like I definitely played this because it was the first one on GameCube. And then I definitely played, I want to say seven, because at that time they were throwing everything against the wall on the GameCube. And seven came with a microphone that you could yell commands into and use oh for certain God. minigames. And it was the funniest shit ever. Because <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, the, you know, you get the microphone on this game. It's like whoever is holding the microphone wins the game. Like that, you know, if it's a one on three game and one guy has the microphone, you just it, you can't win it. Um, but Mario Party 4 was just a straightforward Mario Party game. Um, and, you know, it's uh, it's. <sighs> Yeah, I'm trying to figure out my feelings towards the whole Mario Party series because I feel like it really kind of lost its way for a few years and then somewhat recently got it back. But maybe some would say it never really found the same. It never really got it back after the Nintendo 64. I don't know, man. It's a, it's kind of an up and down series. Um, But I, I remember fondly playing this one, renting it, of course, and then never playing it again. <laughs> I think it's something interesting. I remember reading a, a magazine article because NF Magazine, the spiritual successful to um, Nintendo Power, who is not sponsoring Game That Tune, but could, hey, you know, if you that. want to reach out, um, they they made a point to say that like the best Mario Party games are the even numbered Mario games, hmm. like two, four, I think eight, like. You know, I I feel like I should have played way more of Mario Party Four than I actually did. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. Because it, uh, you know, I don't know. It was like I said, the first one on GameCube, so they were uh, they were just I think kind of throwing classic Mario Party situations in there with uh, just nice looking GameCube graphics and like fun Super Mario uh, Sunshine settings. And, uh, you know, they hadn't kind of gone off the wall and ruined it with any new ideas yet. So this was probably one of the better ones. Um, you know, the boards, of course, you got Toad's Midway Express, where it's like a, a amusement park. You got Shy Guy's Jungle Jam. Uh, you got fucking Goomba's Greedy Gala, where, uh, you know, Goomba's hosting the board. And um, there's like a roulette wheel in the middle of it. That's dope. You got the Boo Bash, uh, Koopa's Seaside, and Bowser's Gnarly Party. Um, 
I don't want to go to Bowser's gnarly party. That doesn't sound good at all. But um, yeah, you man, have to we, put your your car keys in uh, exactly. a bowl when you first show up. Right? Yeah, yeah. You can't get in unless you bring two girls with you. Um, but <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> so that Bowser can kidnap one. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, Louise. Um, but yeah, so we got two fantastic songs from Mario Party Four, a game that we definitely need to revisit. I think also this one had a story mode. That's what I was gonna also mention. Uh, maybe, maybe not the first I'll Mario Party it. with a story mode, but you know, still, it's. Uh, I still feel like story modes in Mario Party are funny to me because that just flies in the face of the very idea of Mario Party. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've got two fantastic songs. We've got Full of Vigor and we've got The Final Duel. That's the final song from the story mode, both from composers Ichiro Shimakura.
man. I love a love a good funky Bowser tune in one of these games. Um, you know, the sitar really makes that song. Um, and guys, we've done it. We've reached the end of another segment. We've reached the end of the 2002 segment. And man, oh man, have we got a big game closing out this segment. Um, you know, I would also, you know, like I said, Mortal Kombat, maybe one of the most famous and important games of all time. Uh, this game, uh, right up there. Maybe not maybe the mo- not the most important, but a pretty huge game for its time. Um, let's talk about Grand Theft Auto. Vice City. Let's not even beat around the bush. Let's just get back to Vice City, guys. What a fucking game. Like, yeah. What a world to play around in. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, it was. It was really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I, Grand Theft Auto 3 was good, but they had to jump through hoops to explain why there was no motorcycles in the game, which was dumb. This game added motorcycles, so it gets an immediate point over Grand Theft Auto 3. It also gets an immediate point because the story was much better. The The story was actually fun to play and engaging, and I think it comes from... I gotta give it up to... Ray Liotta, rest in peace, recently deceased Ray Liotta, um, and just having a main character with uh, an actual voice that actually you know matters to the story, and it's a story you're actually telling about a character. I think they, they realized a silent protagonist for these games was not the way to go, and they were right to do it, because this game fucking rules, and Tommy Versetti fucking rules, and the story was great, and man, just Vice City driving around a fucking 80s Miami was so, so fun. The music was good. The radio stations were fun. Oh man! Um, the like seeing like their version of Miami, um, all like lit up and stuff at night when you're driving through, and like it was just so a cool. good looking game uh, for the time. And like like you said, it it really showed off that yeah, we're fucking serious about these Grand Theft Auto games. They're just gonna keep getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, they're gonna be just hours long action movies. Uh, where you get to fuck around in between doing the story. If you don't want to do the story, don't just fucking go off and enjoy the insane world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like this was an example of because this was two thousand two, right? Oh, like yeah. the internet existed, and I feel like this was kind of a, a a way for people to say, like, hey, you know, Florida can be cool. It's not all like <laughs> ridiculous shit, like. No, you can have fun. Right. Yeah, it was a, uh, you know, I don't think any of the weirdness of the game is chalked up to it being in Florida. I think it's uh, it's more of the 80s setting than anything. Uh, you know, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a fun depiction. Sadly, David, it's not a Florida. Of course, you know, Vice City is not in Florida. It's nowhere. Um, but it's a it's a nice, uh, nice substitute Miami. And uh, I mean, it's it's not in Florida in the same way that the Pokemon games are not in Japan or not in Hawaii right. or not in Great Britain. It'll do until they want to make a Grand Theft Auto set in actual Florida, which I've been clamoring for them to do for years. You can just pull up Google Maps and generate a fucking game based on actual city streets and let me play Grand Theft Auto in Tallahassee. Come on. How hard is that to do? Oh, my God. If there was a Grand Theft Auto game where you had, like, a Swamp Skipper, I would play the fuck out of that. Yeah. Uh, You know, hopefully they eventually actually announce that new Grand Theft Auto game that's going back to... You know, Florida, maybe Vice City. I think it's supposed to include uh, some surrounding areas, so maybe we get some Everglades time. But yeah, the game, it was just fucking 
so fun. There was so much fun stuff to do. Uh, the vehicles were great. I feel like this also added like helicopters and stuff. So, you know, there were missions with that. Um, and yeah, like Jesse said, the radio, just immense. David, go for it. <laughs> I was going to say, could you imagine a Grand Theft Auto game where you have to fight alligators and then someone's released pet python? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Everglades. Oh, like, God, I just play a game that's just nothing but the Everglades. I play just Grand Theft Everglades. Like, yeah, you're just riding around on your airboat and, you know, run into some guy in his underwear eating a piece of cheesecake and just keep on going, man. Um it, uh, God, yeah, that would be an amazing game. <laughs> but as it stands, Vice City, pretty fucking amazing game. And, you know, I uh, I already had a fucking Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4 on this one, so I felt a little silly having another, you know, licensed soundtrack. But, I mean, when it's one as fucking immense yeah. as Vice City, it's also really tough to narrow it down. So, like, you know, I bet you we all had different experiences playing this game. Jesse, what were your, like, what were your two or three, like, radio stations you stuck with when you were playing Vice City? It was probably the, um, obviously like the rock one, mm. um, or the, if there was a new age one, I don't know if there was a two different ones, like oh, the yeah. one where you'd hear like I ran and stuff, yep. um, wave one Oh three, um, baby. And then the hip hop one. Yes. That was when it was getting real good. Yeah. Uh, David, what, uh, what about you, man? What are your, um, what are your stations? I definitely went with like rock and I believe it was the pop station mm-hmm. that played like the weird, like electro synth stuff that was popular circa 1982 whatever <laughs> um yeah this one i mean yeah the the rock station was fantastic i mean driving around listening to fucking like raining blood was fucking wild uh you know the rap station was great you know grandmaster flash the message um the fucking the new wave station just had so much good stuff on it and then uh this game may have single-handedly pushed me into enjoying like afro-cuban jazz music i mean like the fucking you know radio espantoso that is just like a life changer for me like you know i'm sitting there you know i went to the store at you know whatever you know music matters in saint augustine florida i was like you guys have the grand theft auto soundtrack on a cd oh you only have radio espantoso that's funny that's the only one i wanted uh, oh good <laughs> you know let me drive around listen to that shit in real life like man just fucking introducing me to things so just a fantastic game bunch of fantastic tunes and we've got three fantastic tunes you know closing out this segment we've got the grand theft auto vice city main theme and then we've got two songs and i'm sorry guys i should have consulted you maybe we should have chosen seven songs but we're just doing two from my you know picks so i I chose one from wave 103 i chose never say never by romeo void and from radio espantoso we've got aguanile by ira carey uh, just, you know, six minutes of amazing fucking, uh, like Latin jazz music. So, uh, you know, fucking God, I can't, I really hope we get to go back to Vice City soon. So let's just dig these tunes, man.
we've made it we've made it to 10 years ago we've made it to october of 2012 and thankfully since that last segment was so long this one is going to be real short because not only Ooh. are there not very many games they're not very good games so <laughs> let's just say maybe we got a couple of ill-advised sequels kicking us off and uh, i don't know where, where you guys experience level is with this next series um, but this is not the third game in the series, despite the title. This is like the fifth or sixth game. This is Assassin's Creed 3. Um, did you guys, uh, Jesse, did you play uh, some Assassin's Creed? Um, a little bit. This one was pretty cool because it took place in the um, America. Uh, Revolu Revolutionary War. Not, no, the, yeah, the Revolutionary War era uh, United States. And so, like, um, uh, people were like, well, there's no tall buildings to jump off and it's like yeah but there's tall trees yeah. and like um you know you go around and uh get to like be part of these weird historical events and then you assassinate people and stuff and um yeah it's, it's all right game it's pretty good in the series yeah i don't know i just feel like it's uh it's weird for them to do several set in italy and then be like all right now here's assassin's creed 3 and we're shifting completely to uh, you know, not the Italian guys we've been following. Now we're in fucking America. And, yeah, it's like maybe they just realized people had, had too much Europe and it was time to move things over to this continent. But, yeah, I I, uh, I only put a few minutes into this one. I didn't play it very much. Um, but, yeah, you know, I haven't played very much Assassin's Creed, period. I, I really should have played more of these by now. I kind of, like, I feel like I want to jump into the new ones because they, they don't feel like they're really, you know, much... It's not really much of a series at this point. It's more just like, yeah, it's a, this year's Assassin's Creed. And, you know, so now you got the one that's like, you know, Odyssey set in Norse times. You got the one that's the Egyptian times. So it's like maybe they're just going to make Assassin's Creed set in different, like, weird time periods. And it doesn't matter if you've played the other ones or not. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what this one felt like compared to the Italian yeah. ones. <laughs> so, I think that's what they were going for, you know. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I appreciated about this game and, like, what I appreciate about the series moving forward. It's like, oh, we're going to have a connected narrative going forth through history and everything. And they're like, you know, you know what? Fuck it. It would just be better if you were just stabbing people throughout history. Right. And, like... <laughs> Yeah, playing as a character who is, like, secretly part of the Revolutionary War and, like, talking with Ben Franklin and George Washington, but, like, shanking British soldiers, like, 
you know what? I'm I'm kind of into that. Yeah, I am in concept. The problem is also I think they try to keep on uh, having a narrative through line through it with the whole fucking Templars and the Animus and all the shit that's taking place in the modern times. And, you know, that shit just does nothing for me. <laughs> so, you know, don't make a game in which you're playing as a guy playing a game. Make it, let me just play a game where I'm I'm the guy controlling the old Italian or the old Revolutionary War guy. Don't make me controlling a guy controlling a thing. It didn't need to be that weird. You know, it didn't need the meta narrative. It didn't need whatever the you know the modern thing is. But it's uh, it's a perfectly fine series of games, and Assassin's Creed 3 is pretty cool. And it's got two fantastic songs in this edition of Gems, and they're both from composer Lorne Balf. We've got Connor's Life, and we've got Fight Club. And that's all I'm going to say about that one. Ooh.
it's uh fun fighting tunes you know um i like the uh i like the kind of old sounding uh instrumentation on them it's uh it's good music good uh good tunes now like i said you know okay so maybe i was a little harsh on assassin's creed 3 maybe now we're at the sequel that maybe was a little bit ill-advised it's the sixth entry in a long-running series and guys it's october so it's spooky season so what sixth game came out that everyone hated <laughs> oh is this resident evil 6 yeah baby oh, sucking the drafts oh, dick I baby was, <laughs> i was gonna say the um ghosts and goblins remake yeah, for <laughs> like switch oh you wish um no it's assassin's creed 6 uh or what? excuse me it's uh, resident evil 6 <laughs> still in a picture of the assassin guy up on my screen <laughs> uh assassin's creed 3 was assassin's creed 6 this is resident evil 6 and uh man oh this is resident evil guy blowing a giraffe yes that's <laughs> thank you <laughs> um yeah, I didn't play this. This is one of the ones where, you know, I I don't put too much stock in the way people review things, especially really, frankly, the Resident Evil series. Like, you know, people kind of, you know, they recognize 4 was one of the best games of all time, but it was a departure from the Resident Evil series in terms of being too action-y. And so then 5, everybody gave a bunch of shit to it because it was just more action. It was too action-y. And then 6... They, you know, that's the same complaint. It's like, yeah, it's still too actiony, and I'm like, wait a minute, I liked Resident Evil Four and Five. Why would I care that the reviews said it was too actiony? But yeah, I don't know. The the negative press on this one was too much for me to go pick it up. It sounded so bad, <laughs> and it got just shit on so hard that you know, frankly, I'm thinking maybe I should pick it up now and play it. I bet you I can find the fun in this game. Like, it's got to be in there somewhere, right? Like, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's I've tough. I've heard it's pretty. It's weird, right? Yeah. It's I, like I know it's like split narratives. You're playing as Leon, and then you're playing as uh, a guy that's actually Wesker's son, and then there's some Ada Wong parts, and you know it makes perfect sense to spend you know five uh, five games building up to killing Wesker, and then immediately make a game in which you're playing as his son. Everybody was asking for that, right? Like. You know, they never established that he had a son previous to this. So why don't we make a game in which you're suddenly his adult son? Like, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it is a game from Capcom. And I feel like Capcom just has no idea what people want. That might be true. <laughs> Certainly probably more true 10 years ago. Because I feel like they kind of righted the ship with the Resident Evil series after this. Man, you got 7 and 8. I feel like those were both really well received. And it's because they kind of got back to the spirit of the series. Fucking seeing spooky shit, not you know, not full blown uh, action shit like these were. But I don't know. I kind of kind of feel like maybe I should be the champion of this game and go find it and see if it's actually got something good in it. Because I bet you the action's pretty good. I bet you the game itself is overall probably pretty you know mediocre. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of like the action based Resident Evil, so maybe uh maybe this one's due for a revisit. But. I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling you know like that's a hill worth dying on. So we'll see. <laughs> so we got two songs from Resident Evil Six and composers uh, Laurent Zillian, uh, Laurent Zilliani and Thomas Parish. We've got Ancient Blood and we've got Kith and Kin.
yeah, I gotta say, I like the music. It's uh, it's actiony. It's uh, it's got some you know propulsive uh, sound to it. Um, you know, I can see how it fits into a overall two action based Resident Evil game. But yeah, I don't know, man. We'll see. I bet you, I bet you, I could find that game for like five fucking dollars right now. So maybe, uh, maybe for five bucks, it's gotta be worth playing. Gotta be. Um, but. We've reached the final game of the show, and man, I probably should have run this by you guys before to see if this was a game worth ending the show on, but it seemed like <laughs> it was, because, you know, again, it was this, or it was Resident Evil 6, or Assassin's Creed 3, so I'm hoping that you guys have played and enjoyed some Retro City Rampage. Yeah, I've played a little bit of it. I have played this game, and this is a pretty damn fun game yeah i mean it says on the cover it's you know open world action parody steal the wheel i mean what game could I... this be emulating <laughs> it plays a lot like the original grand theft auto games yeah i would down. definitely <laughs> rank it above resident evil 6 okay now that's yeah damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man david simply refusing to it, blow the giraffe <laughs> Is it, though? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Now, is it better than Assassin's Creed 3? Yes. You know, that requires far more thought process than I can currently give. Here's my thought process. It's probably got a more fun soundtrack to listen to, and this is Game That Tune Gems, so this has to finish out with yes. three songs from this game. <laughs> okay, well, on that metric, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. They got Jake Kaufman working on it. Oh, yeah. Mwah. So it's, uh, it's a Kaufman soundtrack. It's also a Norrin Rad soundtrack and a guy named Freaky DNA. Isn't uh, that the, the real name of Silver Surfer? It I was is. about to say, it's like, did you say this is a Norrin Rad soundtrack? <laughs> yes, Norrin Rad, <laughs> the Silver Surfer himself, <laughs> actually worked on it. Not anybody using that as a, as a, uh, a working Herald name. Of Galactus? Yeah. <laughs> the that the Herald of Galactus was this planet should be destroyed. Also, listen to these tunes yeah. I've yeah. composed. You know Check what? I, this I, out, I'd like a demake of Grand Theft Auto, and I've composed a tune for it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to run put it this by in there. <laughs> uh, Bring me to Jake Kaufman. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I need to eat vert. Um, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god, Galactus is just coming to 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 eat our video game. He only wants to eat video game music composers. <laughs> Bring me Kuzo Yoshiro. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, so um, yeah, it's Retro City Rampage. It's a uh, it's a top down uh, Grand Theft Auto parody game, and you know it looks fun, and it has a uh, has a fun soundtrack. That was pretty much why I decided to close the show with it because it's a pretty slow 2012 segment. So. Guys, that's going to do it. It's been a great show. It's been a fucking stacked show. So much, so much in this show. So, Jesse, David, thank you both so much for being here. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm so glad you came. And thank you, everybody, for listening. We're so glad that you're patrons on patreon.com slash game that tune. If you're not, thanks for listening anyway. Subscribe. Pay us. We'd love to keep making these shows. And we'd love you guys listening. Tell your friends about Patreon. Uh, we love the support. And uh, love sharing these fantastic tunes with you. So that's going to do it for Game That Tune Gems. We've got three songs from Retro City Rampage uh, from composer Jake Kaufman. We've got Not Mega, which, again, is not the song that it starts out sounding like. And then from Freaky DNA, we've got Bit Happy. And from Norrin Rad, the Herald of Galactus, we've got Joyride. So we love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next month. Peace out, everybody.